2: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
3: Graduation is a sweet occasion, but finding the perfect gift can be a bitter struggle. MMS.com has a solution. Personalized M&Ms. Just imagine the look on your grad's
0: face when they receive a custom candy creation featuring their school's colors, name, and even their photo printed right on some M&M's. It's a thoughtful way to celebrate their accomplishments and make the occasion even more special. Visit MMS.com to create your own personalized gifts and party favors for graduations, weddings, birthdays, and more. That's MMS.com. Use code WONDERY to receive 15% off your next order.
4: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
0: This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial.
1: It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist.
0: And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from... Joining us now is somebody who, no, who docked this ship earlier today, Captain Kevin Opry. How are you, sir?
4: Very well, thank you.
0: You have quite a pedigree here in terms of how you got to the QM2. You're on freighters.
4: Yeah, I started my career uh, with a company called Pacific Steam Navigation Company as a, a deck cadet. I won't tell you couldn't you get it, lower than that. Well, I don't know about that, but I'm sure you <laughs> could. But I, I started there at a very early age. I won't tell you what year that was, of course.
0: But you were 17. I was. And then?
4: Well, I, I served my four-and-a-half-year apprenticeship with him. Uh, and then I went through a whole range of shipping, from uh, tankers through to sailing ships, two very uh, famous sailing ships, uh, three master schooners called the Sir Winston Churchill and the Malcolm Miller. Wow. And then on to uh, ferries, passenger ferries, uh, high-speed ferries. I've spent a time waiting to be a pilot in Southampton. Wow. Uh, I've been on uh, fruit ships. Container ships. You've been on banana boats. Banana boats. Yep. That's with, a lot of bananas. With geese Line. Yeah. Uh, sailing, sailing
0: from where to where?
4: Uh, Southampton to the Caribbean. Wow. Yeah. Picking very up interesting. The,
0: picking up the bananas. In yeah. The, what yeah. were you? What were you taking to the Caribbean? General cargo. Okay. Yeah. So you're always full.
4: Always full. Yeah. Always full. And of course, as you know, they're very fast ships as well. So, rolled our way across the Atlantic at high speed.
0: Wow. And now here we are, after all these years, on the pride of the fleet.
4: The pride of the fleet and the pride of the industry, I would say.
0: What's different about this ship?
4: Well, she's unique in the sense that now she is the only ocean liner in service. And so throughout the world, we have many wonderful cruise ships and resort ships, but there is only one ocean liner, and that's Queen Mary 2.
0: And what about all of your experiences prepared you for this?
4: Well, I think the fact that I've had such a, a varied career, you know, both in uh, the types of ships I've sailed in and the positions I've held has really actually put me in a very good position.
0: I mean, to, one uh, of the positions you've held, which had nothing to do di- you know, directly with the cruise industry, was computer systems.
4: How did you know that? I know everything. Oh, I, I
0: did. Yeah,
4: I did. Well, I, actually, I had an accident on the Swinston Churchill in some pretty bad weather off of the uh, coast of Wales. I was thrown off the bowsprit of the ship and... Uh, I had a few injuries, which uh, made it necessary for me to go ashore for a a period of time. Ten ten years, in fact. Wow. And uh, during that time, I retrained as a computer programmer initially, and then a computer systems analyst.
0: Which actually prepared you, even though you didn't realize it, for operating a ship like this, because it's so much high-tech right now.
4: It certainly helped, that's for sure,
0: yes. Right. I mean, you're not writing code up there, but the point is... You understand it.
4: I do, but it, I don't think that really works in in that sense. But it does give me a bit more of affinity with uh, some of the computer systems.
0: When you think about the history of the ship, and as you just said, it's the last remaining ocean liner, will there ever be another?
4: I have a feeling that this won't be the last. Uh, I can't see how uh, the industry is just going to have only one ocean liner. I think somebody somewhere will probably consider developing another.
0: Well, when you think of the history, the romance, the the the, the, uh, the imagery of it all, there should always be a market for someone who wants to do a crossing and also a world cruise.
4: Yeah, I think so. Uh, who's better than it? nobody. It's Kinard that has to really take that mantle. And I hope that we do develop another ship in the future.
0: And since you've had this quite varied career and experience, from the banana boats to being the deck cadet to now being the commander of the Q, the QM2, How have the passengers changed?
4: Well, I don't think they've changed that much, really. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. I think that they still come on board and they expect uh, what we try to deliver, which is uh, a traditional uh, and elegant uh, journey across the Atlantic, a voyage across the Atlantic, in style.
0: And bananas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well. Every once in a while.
4: We do have banana flambé on board, of course. Yes. uh, Yes.
0: You didn't have banana flambé on the banana boat.
4: How do you know that either? <laughs> you did?
0: <laughs> well, you had to source. <laughs> What's for dinner tonight? Bananas. Bananas. <laughs> I would think that after that, you would never want to see another banana in your life.
4: Well, you know, funny thing is, uh, in, in those days, you could take some of the cargo home with you. And it was a, a known Oh, thing. you're the guy. Yeah, you're I'm the, the one, guy. Yeah. So we used to take a couple of boxes home with us and let them uh, ripen. And so we had bananas when we were both on board and then when we were home on leave as well.
0: So you had banana bread, you had banana pudding, you, had, you, yeah. you were banana
4: Maybe I was the one that introduced all the big spiders into the UK as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they passed the law because of you. Who was the guy who took the bananas off the boat? You did. Yeah. What would you like to see changed?
4: I don't think that the industry really needs to go through a great deal of change at the moment. Obviously things evolve. And that anything that you do to improve the industry is only for the better. Uh, Of course, safety is one thing that uh, is paramount these days. And so we work very hard in everything to try and improve our safety on board ships.
0: And how have you changed that, though?
4: Well, I think there have been many uh, different points in history uh, when uh, the industry has changed by force in many respects. I mean, of course, there was the Titanic, which brought in Solas. And more recently, we've had the... Concordia, of course, which evokes change. Hello? Uh,
1: this is your captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for alarm.
0: What's interesting about this ship—I'll put things in somewhat of a historical perspective, for me anyway— I was on board this ship back when uh, it was basically first launched in 2004. Um, and We did a, a long piece on the, on the Today Show on it about the, tr- about the proud tradition then, the, the, the famous white glove service. And uh, joining me now, the the president of Cunard North America, someone I've known for actually longer than that, but we won't explain, is uh, Rick Meadows. How are you, man?
2: I'm doing great, Peter. Great to uh, be with you today. Welcome aboard.
0: Well, thank you. I mean, uh, the history here of, of this ship as well as the line itself, I mean, when we go back, we're talking 175 years. Uh, I can think of very few things that last 175 years, not to mention in the cruise industry. And, and, and this is, to me, I still don't think of this as a cruise line. I think of it as, as an ocean liner.
2: That, that's right. This is absolutely a, uh, an ocean liner, the Queen Mary II. Uh, but when you just reflect on uh, your earlier comment about 175 years, so few companies have that kind of legacy and history and uh, it, it really all goes back to uh, Sir Samuel Cunard, who's the founder of our company, started uh, Cunard in, uh, in 1840 and uh, started in, uh, in Halifax. And he was a gentleman that was truly a pioneer, a visionary, and uh, came up with so many firsts in uh, changing the world of communication. You know, the ability to have uh, a steamship that uh, was our first steamship, the Britannia, that sailed from uh, the U.K. to uh, to Halifax, did it in just around uh, two weeks' time. So the prior time... And that was a steamship. That was a steamship, yeah. Coal and burning. Coal, coal burning. And the, uh, the prior uh, amount of time it took to get newspapers, letters, and everything from uh, Europe and, and the U.K. was six weeks. So imagine going from it six weeks to two third, weeks. Yeah. yeah, that's a big and change.
0: And people forget how pivotal Halifax was... On those routes. I mean, we don't think about Halifax a lot, but that's where the Titanic was heading too.
2: Absolutely, and, and Halifax was a you know it was a, a key point of commerce and, and connectivity to, uh, uh, to really to Europe and, and the United Kingdom
0: for sure. And of course, in World War II, Halifax once again that's where all the convoys assembled to go across the Atlantic to deliver the supplies to the United Kingdom.
2: Yeah, it, it, you know the the uh, one of the things that I, I love about our history uh, at Kenard is the. Uh, the, the role that we played in in uh, both wars, in particular World War II, and uh, just the the sheer number of, of of troop movements that took place on board our ships. ships yeah. Well, the
0: Queen Mary especially.
2: Absolutely, the Queen Mary was uh, was unbelievable in how many uh, crew, uh, sorry, uh, GI's she would carry, and you know I, I think if you there's the just...
0: famous photographs that you'd see. On them all crowded on the deck and in, the, in that indoor swimming pool. I mean, and if you go to the Queen Mary in Long Beach, they still have those photographs there.
2: I believe the record is around 16,000 individuals uh, were on, uh, on, on one on of those one, record crossings. On one. Yes, that's,
0: that's right. It's, and that's a very long buffet line, rich. We have to talk <laughs> about that. That's a little scary, especially if they announce rich Colombian coffee being served on the port side. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. But then again, you talk about the war service. When these ships went into war, they were repainted.
2: They were repainted in in uh, in war colors and and uh, and I, I think served uh, the efforts uh, very 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 well and uh, and and it was a special part of our history.
0: In fact, the most recent one, and I'm old enough to remember it, so I'm a little scared to tell you this, but during the Falklands War, uh, the QE2 yes, the, was 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 a troop carrier.
2: The Queen Elizabeth uh, two was uh, was pulled into service uh, and the, repainted and repainted and and, uh, and and was was a key part of that uh, that conflict.
0: When people start, you know, looking at the history of, of the whole line, right? What's the the biggest surprise for them?
2: You know, I, I think when, when they uh, when when you pick, it's it's hard to pick one thing that's the biggest surprise. I think that, that it's history itself is the surprise when you get to know the brand and you you look at the layers of history, uh, the things we've already we've already talked about, but <clears throat> but also the number of of luminaries and interesting people that have traveled uh, on Cunard uh, and yeah, their stories is, you know, you and know what their it is? history.
0: It's 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 a it's an mo. It's it's just a, a modus operandi that if you're going to be a celebrity and you're coming on, the, you pose. I, I, you, it, don't, it, you don't cruise. You pose. You
2: do. And 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 and, and what a beautiful way to get uh, to get to Europe or from Europe, and uh, and and you know a lovely seven day experience to, uh, to 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 be a part of and and to to enjoy.
0: When you look at the schematic diagrams and the cutaways of what's inside this ship, just this ship alone. I mean, you have a dog kennel. Right. I mean, I mean, how many ships have a dog kennel? We're I mean, we
2: we're we're the only uh, we're the only company that has uh, kennels on board. And, you know, our pets are part of our families today. And and uh, the opportunity. Have they to, relaxed
0: the, the, the quarantine in England yet?
2: Uh, you know, I'm honestly not an expert on that yeah. part of it. But uh, I know that we get uh, their dogs and cats uh, to the UK and from in style.
0: I had this feeling that by the third day at sea, the dogs can actually pronounce the word garçon. <laughs> it was just a thought. I don't know.
2: Quite quite possibly. But, you know, you were talking about the the Queen Mary, too, and so many things that make her special. Uh, it, there are so many uh, guest opportunities to explore, to learn. We actually have a planetarium on board, so we have a, a, a great opportunity to learn more uh, about the, the world around us. We have an incredible program called Cunard Insights where we have very interesting people that will uh, talk about different Topics of enrichment and education and learning,
0: fascinating conversations to, uh, to partake in. I remember when the Concorde was still flying, Cunard had a deal with British Airways where you took the Cunard ships one way and you flew back on the Concorde the other way. But when you're a mid-Atlantic, uh, and it would happen more than once... The captain would come on the, the loudspeaker and say, "Ladies and gentlemen, in about seven minutes, you're going to hear a loud explosion. There's nothing wrong with the ship. That's the Concorde flying over, because it was flying faster than the speed of sound, and that was the sonic boom."
2: You know, they're, they're, that's a great example of iconic first. There, there, there are so many parts of uh, iconic experiences that are part of this brand, and and I think for for many people, the the essence of a transatlantic crossing is is almost a bucket list kind of experience, and you know, everybody's looking for their own unique experience, which you. You most certainly can find.
0: Well, I have to tell you, I if you if you give me the choice between a cruise and a crossing, I take the crossing every time, because I love the idea that I don't have to be in a port every day. I love the idea that I don't have to go shopping every day. Sorry about that, but I love the idea that your you, you, your your pulse goes down, your your pace goes down. You can think, you can read, you can actually have a conversation without rushing. And there's so many cruise lines out there that don't follow that itinerary for other reasons but this is one of the ships that still does
2: you know it's i think for so many people one of the biggest luxuries we have is time and the luxury of time on a crossing is truly unique you have the chance to slow down catch your breath and do as much or as little as you would like and and i think that that is one of the things that makes us so different in our our experience on board our crossings
0: you got it rick meadows the president of cunard north america and an old buddy are you sailing tonight? You're not, are you?
2: No, I'm not sailing tonight. Uh, Guess what? Neither am I.
0: <laughs> but great to be on board with you today. Back with more of Peter Gimberg Worldwide from the QM2 right up Toto, I have a feeling
1: we're not in Kansas anymore.
0: pleasure to meet 11 years ago when this ship was first launched. Commodore Ronald Warwick, how are you, sir?
5: Very well, sir. It's a pleasure to be back in New York on this great ship.
0: And it's a pleasure to see you again. I I remember when we first met, uh, we were going out on on sort of like an inaugural shakedown cruise, and I wanted to show uh, my audience on television how big this ship really was. And you and I had a conversation, and I said, do you think we could do this? And you said, yeah, we could do this. So you lowered me in a a rigid inflatable boat with my camera guy and we went about three miles ahead of you and I was on the radio with you and when we got in position I said okay and you put this ship into full forward speed, you were coming right at us and and you you couldn't see it on the frame which we did intentionally, it was just me standing in front of the camera going, if you want to get an idea how big this ship is, I really have no other way to show you except it's this big and we widened up the screen and you were coming right at us. It's quite a scene when you're sitting in the ocean on a small little 20-foot inflatable to see this thing coming at you this is one big ship
5: it certainly is and um all I can say is I wouldn't want to be in that small boat well you didn't
0: have to be but I'm (laughs) glad you were on the radio when I could say okay (laughs) and we got we got the shot what's so special about this ship for you because this is not the only ship you commanded in the Cunard
5: line well I was uh, I was many years on the Queen Elizabeth II, commanded that. I left the ship in 2003 to stand by the building of this one in, in Saint-Nazaire in France and then took it out on her inaugural voyages and uh, remained with her for a couple of years before I retired. But this ship is very special. Um, none of us like to be proved wrong. And I always used to say when I was on the Queen Elizabeth II, there'd never ever be a replacement, another ocean liner. And then the Carnival Corporation uh, surprised everybody, surprised everyone. And I'm happy to be proved wrong in this occasion. So here we are in this magnificent ship here in New York Harbor, recreating this magnificent heritage of the Cunard Line from 1840 to, to 2015, 175 years of. Oceanic splendour crossing from New York to the United Kingdom. How long were you on the QE2? I was many years. I started off as a second officer, worked my right right, uh, right up to being captain, and actually my captaincy spanned thirteen years at that ship. Because, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the QE2 launched one in '68. Uh, yes, and she came into service in '69. Right, and at that
0: time. People thought the age of the ocean liners were, was over then because of the jet age and everybody crossing the Atlantic on four-engine uh, jets, mm. and yet the QE2 stayed around for a long time. Where is that ship today?
5: The ship's in, um, tied up in Dubai. It was sold by the Carnival Corporation in 2008, and it's been there ever since.
0: But just sitting there.
5: Just sitting there. Well, the um, the ship was delivered in, in November 2008, and at that time the new owners were going to... Uh, make her into a a hotel and conference center, a visitor center. But as we all know, the economy dived at that time, and uh, they've never got around to doing it. Wow. But it's still there. It's still there. You know,
0: when we talk about the history of ships, a lifespan of a ship, these days those numbers change radically. You know, how long will one company sail a line or or, or a particular ship before it's either sold off somewhere else Mm -hmm. or just sails away? And in, in the case of the iconic ships like the Rotterdam or the QE2 or this ship, they don't sail away. They they stay.
5: Well, yeah, it's quite interesting. I think when they're, they're design, they designed, they. They look at towards 40 years, but things can change. You know, our lives evolve, our uh, ways of leisure time evolve. So some of them will, will hang in, just like the Queen Elizabeth too. That's but 40 other, years. Yeah, other ships, or maybe they'll be passed on after 25 years because of, of uh, lifestyle changes, for instance.
0: I remember a, a story about the Andrea Doria, the famous Italian liner. That was the pride of the Italian fleet at that time, mm-hmm. And in 1956, on a course quite similar to the one you guys just took to come into New York Harbor, mm-hmm. it was rammed at, at 10 o'clock in the morning in the fog by a Swedish liner called the Stockholm. And the Andrea Doria took about 11 hours and sank. Uh, it was one of the largest maritime disasters in, in, in US history. And the Stockholm limped into New York Harbor looking like a crushed accordion. Mm-hmm. There was nothing left of its bow, right? You know what, that ship is still sailing. The yeah, stock, it's it. still sailing. Long
2: in my automobile my baby beside me at the wheel cruising and playing the radio
5: with no particular place to
0: go commodore we were just talking about you know how some ships just stay you know they just continue to go on like the the old stockholm but the, the, the stockholm has had i think nine different owners 11 different names. It was. Uh, it's now sailing as the Azores for a Portuguese company. It's just been sold to the French. It's becoming the Astoria in November. Now, there is a ship that just refuses to go away, and it's not an iconic ship in that manner. It's a small, small ship.
5: Yeah, but the thing is, it's a very, very well-built ship, just like the... The Queen Elizabeth II was a classic ocean liner built of very strongly good steel and things like that. And then when it came into service in 1969, the owners didn't stop there. They upgraded it. I mean, for instance, when... Uh, she came out, she didn't have internet or anything like that. We just sent our messages by Morse code. The telephone was one of these where you had to go through an operator, to be plugged in. Navigational information. Well, that's inf- just not acceptable anymore. You know, it's a, so, and, I mean, it came out with Turkish baths before saunas were invented. Things like that, you know, spas.
0: Is the Turkish bath still on board? No, no. that was gone a long
5: time. They added more luxury accommodation on. So if you've got a good sound foundation, you can do a lot with it. And this is what happened to the the um, QE2, and, and the, here we are the on the QM2,
0: of, to 11 years later, and they're still upgrading, right?
5: Yes, uh, yeah, because you, you know you got to follow the pattern of lifestyle.
0: Well, what's in, in in the time that you were on this ship, you saw what happened on the QE2, where they, all of a sudden there was internet and and different communication systems and different uh, forms of spas, right? What's, what's been changed on this ship?
5: Well, not very much has been changed yet, but I do believe there are some changes afoot. I'm not in a position, or I don't really know what they're going to be, but uh, there's lots of talk about extra accommodation and modifications here and there to make uh, the, um, the service the company delivers uh, work more smoothly. You also,
0: cho- you also saw in your history at Cunard the demographics of your passengers change. Right. I mean, there was a time when people said, oh, the people who take ocean voyages are either newlywed or nearly dead. You've heard that so many times.
5: Yes. But indeed. you've
0: watched the age range come down, haven't you?
5: Well, it's an advent of the, the cruise industry in, in general. If you you go back to Carnival, Carnival Cruise Line was founded on uh, family holidays, Um we, we do crossings on the Queen Mary too. We do cruising in the, the winter months, but you still have to fill, fill the bill. So, you know, like it's less formal now than it used to be, um, but there's uh, more younger people. And the, and the other thing, like myself, for instance, I sailed over from Southampton. I'm getting off today... Uh, tomorrow I'm going to go on the train down to Florida. You know, I have my tuxedo, but I don't really need that on the train. I don't need it in Florida, but luckily I've got somebody to carry it back for me. So people are traveling, and, and it's not just a crossing now. They're extended holidays. People are, are getting off today, and they're going to the other side of, the, of your, your country.
0: And they're, and they're also looking for different experiences, yeah,
5: so, even on the ship. So, yeah, so— when it comes to baggage, and you can bring as much as you want, but when you get off, you've got to carry all that with you. <laughs> Small minor and, detail. So th- this has uh, this has created a change in pattern in in the formality that we have on board.
0: What else has changed in, in the in the in the Cunard line in, in, in your experience?
5: Well, most of the changes. Um, come in the form of of lifestyle, the industry has continued to grow. Although shipping in general, freighter shipping, declined quite sadly in the in the sixties with the advent of of containers and ships like that. But ever since, the the cruise industry has stayed buoyant. And um, uh, over in Europe now, it's it's a it's a holiday of choice, and I, I think this is very important.
0: And you're getting all new sorts of passengers in Asia.
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the growth of the industry in Asia. And the Far East is incredible, you know, and this is why the big operators like Carnival Corporation are moving some of their ships over there. And you never would have anticipated that years ago, would you? Well, no,
0: no, we wouldn't have done. You said you were wrong about the QE2. You said they would never build another ship like it. Then came the QM2, right? What do you want to be wrong about today?
5: Well, I've heard people say there'll be another replacement. There'll never be a replacement for Queen Mary 2, but I... I'm happy now to say, never say never.
0: <laughs> they made a movie like that once. Yes, James indeed. Bond.
5: Yeah.
0: What would you like to see changed? I'd like to see, I'm not quite sure what the answer is yet. Well, well if you had your wish list, yeah. right, what would you like to see changed in the, in the entire cruise industry? What would you like to see improved?
5: No, I'm sorry. I'm stumped on that.
0: <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's not a quiz show. We'll, 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 sw- we'll switch gears on that. Of all the ports you've gone, right? Which was the one that was the most surprising to you that you never expected it to be that great? And which was the one that you were most surprised that you were never expected to be that bad?
5: Well, I've never really had a bad port. Uh, I think this is one of the things about the industry. Uh, As it's grown, the ships, shipping companies have had to find more and more ports to visit. So, it becomes a catch-22. The port authorities don't want to build a port if the ships aren't going to go there. The ships won't go there unless there is one. So sometimes these ports start off very, very basically. They might build freighter terminals and things like that. Then they they build up. Uh, So, you know, there's a a tandem growth, if you like, with that. But um, in terms of ports, visiting, coming into New York was always one of my favourites. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If
2: you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care.
0: Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. Joining me now is the Cunard historian. In fact, the author of Steam Lion, a biography of Samuel Cunard, the creator, of course, of the Cunard Steamship Society, as they said Yes. John Langley, how are you, sir?
5: Very well, thank you, Peter. And of
0: course, John comes from one of my favorite places, where this ship just was, uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia,
3: hometown of the founders of Samuel Kennard.
0: I know. Mm. It, before we even get into the history of the ship, a, a couple of words about Halifax, because, and I, al- I have a, an issue with my my Canadian friends. Because it seems that everybody in Canada wants to just apologize for Canada all the time. They want to say, well, I don't know if Halifax is up to your standards. Are you kidding me? Halifax is beyond my standards. Halifax is such a cool place because if you look at Halifax, which, by the way, is an hour and 40-minute flight from New York. It's easy. And then you go all the way up the coast of Cape Breton. It's just
3: magical. So I just had to tell you that. Well, I'm glad you did. Tell your friends. (laughs) Uh, I'm from Halifax. I'm from Halifax. I presently live in Cape Breton, in Bedeck, Cape Breton summer home of Alexander Graham Bell. And uh, Halifax, as we've said recently, uh, when the QM2 was there for the 175th just a few days ago, Halifax is a very special place. And we, we we tend to understate things in Canada, and we're rather laid back. So we take that kind of abuse, but, you know, we kind of like it because we, <laughs> we know where we live.
0: Now, what was, the, what was the importance of Halifax in the history of Cunard, other than the fact it was where Samuel Cunard hung out?
3: Well, it's the, the as a as a port. Yeah, as a port. Well, it's Canada's east coast seaport. It always was the most premier uh, seaport on the east coast of the uh, of America. Really, at that time, we're talking uh, British occupation before Canada became a nation in 1867. It was called British North America, and Halifax was the home port for the North Atlantic Squadron, the British fleet, and uh, it really established the town through that uh, connection.
0: And of course, you know, if you look at, at World War II, Halifax was the staging port for all the convoys going across the Atlantic.
3: Very deep roots there. I mean, Halifax—the port itself is about 16 miles long, including Bedford Basin, which was the gathering point for the convoys. Uh, the
0: port is 16 miles long.
3: The the water the water part of the of the port. Wow! From Entry to the end of the basin. That's yes. big. That's big, and it's the uh, the largest, second largest deep water ice free port in the world. And let's not forget tidal surges uh right Uh, we don't have too many of those a a a little well not far from
0: you you got peggy's cove and that's that's pretty big yeah
3: we do yeah that's a nice drive from halifax but when you come to halifax especially on the queen mary too uh, come to see the city of halifax uh, first and foremost that's where the roots are that's where the history lies and that's where you'll spend a wonderful day
0: all right well let's start about where that history lies when he started the company what was he trying to do and then how did he do it
3: well, the story of, of the line is really the story of the man itself. The, I wrote Steam Line, the biography, in order to tell the world about that, the character of the man that created the line. And that history is about 50 years of our own history as, as maritimers in that part of Canada. And he got his background in steam through his work as a, a, a merchant in sail. He was the biggest uh, owner of sailing vessels in, in maritime history in that area. And were they doing
0: it. the crossings?
3: No, no. They were, they were coastal. They were coastal to the were West coastal. Indies. West Indies trade. But he was in sail almost entirely, but saw the future was lying in steam. And he had the vision that eventually someday he'd create the Ocean Railway to create a, a system of steamships that would be as regular in terms of delivery as uh, steam vessels or steam um, engines on land, i.e., a railway concept on the ocean. And he did it in 1840.
0: But he had to convince a lot of people.
3: Had to convince a lot of people. He couldn't convince financiers in Halifax. It was just too big a project. He couldn't convince financiers in Boston. He eventually went to London and that's where he secured the backing for his company. And the ships were built there? In in the Clyde, mostly, in yeah, Scotland. in Scotland. And strong-built Clyde-built ships, yeah.
0: I remember a ship that, I'm not so sure if it was a Cunard ship, but you would know it, the Southern Cross.
3: Yes, it wasn't a Cunard ship.
0: No, no, no. But but it was launched by Queen Elizabeth. She,
3: uh, well, she's a popular person for cracking the bottles. Oh, <laughs> yes, she is.
0: We once did a story uh, on, on NBC about all the christenings where the bottle didn't break. And it was pretty funny because we had video. We had the actual footage. Of, it goes back to Eleanor Roosevelt. Even Katie Couric, when I was at the Today Show, she was, try- she was actually christening a carnival ship. And the bottle didn't break.
3: Well, there's a little bit of bad luck associated with that event if it happens that way. So Yeah, we but don't, you, know you, you know what happens,
0: happens now, happens. though, don't you? They rig the bottles. Yeah, Those so bottles right. are, are basically stunt bottles. They are exploding breakaway bottles. There's no way they're not going to break. Sometimes we actually saw one that broke before it hit the ship.
3: <laughs> well, as long as they're cracked against a Cunard ship, it doesn't much matter because there's no luck involved there. Okay. It's all history, heritage, and tradition of seamanship and safety.
0: Well, before we get to the QM2, let's talk about some of the more historic ships in the Cunard line. Uh, which would you say? in the history of the 175 years, other than the one we're on now, made the biggest impact?
3: Oh gosh, Peter, the, the, the canard line is so deep in history. Every one of its ships is, ship is iconic. Everyone has a great story. So. Britannia, of course, being the first steamship, uh, the first flagship, is uh, probably the most iconic, historically speaking. It's and that had
0: three line. stacks, didn't
3: it? No, just the one.
0: It only one. had one.
3: Yeah, yeah. She was a small vessel, 200 and some feet. She could fit in the queen's room of the existing Queen Mary two. Is that I mean, true? It's true. It is true. Uh, you know, the, the, the iconic ships, uh, the four stackers, I think, in terms of persona, had the biggest wow appeal. And they were the ones that, that entered or brought in the threshold of the grand floating palaces. And uh, the more stacks, the greater the ships. So even if the
0: stacks weren't even being used. Well, it, was, it
3: was ornamental in some cases. And, uh, mostly in cases of other lines. Uh, you know, Canard was too practical to have dummy stacks. <laughs> he had to use them all. <laughs> but Lusitania, Mauritania, Aquitania, iconic four-stackers. The Queen Mary, Queen Elizabeth, that pairing, you can't go wrong in talking about their history. Kiwi, too. Endless, the most popular ocean liner. The
0: one that doesn't get talked about a lot is the Queen Elizabeth. Not the QE2,
3: Mm. but the Queen Elizabeth. Yes, well, she worked in tandem with the Queen Mary transatlantic, of course, and those two ships have such a history, and and a lot of it's wartime, too. Don't forget the trooping issue. Those two ships, uh, in terms of carrying troops in World War II were said by Winston Churchill to have potentially shortened the the war the by as much as a year just by carrying those troops. And when you
0: think about it, they had to be the biggest targets for the German U-boats.
3: Absolutely. And, uh, of course, Hitler, they say, put out a, a bounty of $250,000 uh, estimated currency to the uh, U-boat captain that could take out one of those ships. And whatever reason happened, they didn't. Did not. Uh, those ships were too fast. They were too well-captained. And, you know, maybe there was some luck. There's some stories about that. But they made it We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Howard radio clearance over. That's Clarence over. Over. Roger.
0: Huh? We're talking to John Langley. Uh, the uh, the Cunard historian and author of the book Steam Lion, a biography of Samuel Cunard. I always like saying this, creator of the Cunard steamship Society. Why did he call it Society?
3: I like to hear it. And uh, we opened up, well, actually, we created the Society in 1998. And it's uh, it's a nonprofit association, and under the laws of Nova Scotia where it's incorporated, it's incorporated under the Societies Act, so therefore, Society.
0: Now let's talk about this ship, because when this ship was built in 2002 and 2003, a lot of publicity about it, that this was a big gamble by, by Carnival, the parent corporation, because the QE-2 is being essentially retired in a few years, serving nearly 40 years at that point. And uh, the jet age had basically decimated what they felt was the world, tour, the world cruise market. Could you build not a cruise ship, but an ocean liner? And then they did.
3: Indeed they did, and it took guts. And we give credit to Mickey Aronson and the uh, Carnival Corporation for making that decision. It was going against the flow. The QE-2 was uh, coming towards the end of her days. As you say, the The age of the, of the ocean liner looked to be out. It uh, did. To build a ship like this to transit the ocean and not just focus on cruise ships going elsewhere, which is what the, you know, the majority of ships built these days are built for, was a very gutsy decision. I like to think it's something Kennard would have smiled about when he saw it happen.
0: Although it would have been a little bit shocking to him when you consider the size of this ship. I mean, this ship is, is five times longer been his first ship, the Britannia.
3: Exactly, but you know, it's it's uh, it's grandeur. Yes, it's the greatest thing on the ocean, but it's so well built and designed that when you're on it, you don't feel like you're being pressured by people. It only holds 2,600 passengers for its size. That's not a whole lot.
0: But, but let's talk about the size. 17 decks.
3: Beautiful. Yeah, over a thousand feet long. 157. 150,000 uh, tons. Hundred and fifty-seven thousand horsepower, and so on, and so on. I mean,
0: the the energy component of this ship is always astounding to me that it could actually power a small
3: city, a city the size of Southampton. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, you're not you're not short of power when you're on board. Uh, the the immensity of the ship is is somewhat what understated by how uh, finely it's it's maneuvered from the bridge. Docking it, for example, is almost a contradiction in terms of its power and size versus maneuverability with the azimuth pod system of, of uh, propulsion. Explain. Well, it's got a, a, a four azimuth pods uh, on the stern that actually pull the ship through the water. So Two there th- are no rudders, it's just the, it's no, pods. No, that's right. Two of them rotate. and They uh, rotate 360 degrees. Yes, and uh, the ship can be docked to within inches. Uh, You've probably watched it dock over the years. And it's it's minute and it's fine and it's uh, it's tremendous uh, in the midstream. She can rotate as the three queens did in, in Liverpool recently. They all came up the Mersey and then they rotated and so on. And Halifax just the other day, we did a beautiful counterclockwise circle of the harbour and the, and then brought the ship right in along the waterfront, within feet of the you know thousands and thousands of people who were there. Just a remarkable uh, ship, really. I
0: mean, so the days of the tugboat, the tugboats are essentially ornamental now.
3: Pretty much, although we looked for them this morning and we photographed a number of them. In New York Harbor, marvelous. Well, the tugboats had to come out to see you guys, right? Of course they did. Uh, and some of them were being pushed by the vessels, which was kind of interesting. The old timer there, the I didn't get the name of the long red one with the... Oh, uh, I, I
0: saw it when I came in, yeah. Yeah,
3: it was beautiful. It was being encouraged along by another tug behind it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's the most surprising thing to you about this ship, considering the, the legacy of Cunard?
3: The fact that it's here is the most surprising thing. The fact that it's successful is not surprising whatsoever. I think when it was built, I've said in my, le- in my lecturing on board the ship and other ships, the Canard Line, this ship will eventually become the most famous Canard Liner and the most loved, much like the QE 2 her, her predecessor. And
0: yet the QE 2 right now is tied up in Dubai, sitting there doing nothing.
3: It's, it's sad, but as Commodore said in a lecture the other day, it, its time had come, you know. Every good ship has a, a lifespan, and her lifespan had come to an end. Uh, there's a lot of sentiment about that, but that's the way it is.
0: Well, the Queen Mary, of course, is a floating hotel in Long Beach, California.
3: Uh, the Queen Elizabeth sank. Uh, yes, it did, under rather strange circumstances. That's is that right. the
0: one in Hong Kong Harbor? Yes, yes, yeah,
3: yeah. Multiple fires broke out simultaneously. The,
0: simultaneously. Yeah. Gee, I'm a fireman. What would that mean to you? I, uh, I don't know, Peter. It's a, I can't... it's a five-letter word. It starts with a ends with N, end, called arson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the insurance underwriter's dream. <laughs> or, or nightmare. <laughs> or nightmare, that's right. <laughs> But is there hope for the QE, e two that someone will resurrect it and put it, not necessarily back in service, but it'll stay afloat like the Rotterdam is in Rotterdam yes, now? Yes,
3: yeah. Well, I'm a Canard historian, as you mentioned. Thank you very much. And I live and eat and sleep and drink Canard history. And I'd like to think it could be preserved because, you know, the the Queen Mary is an iconic, uh, retained ship at Long Beach, and she's quite old, and people still go there and get a real sense of what a real ocean liner was, and with the QE-2, there's no reason why the way she's built on the Clyde, that she hasn't got the structure and so on that can stand being retained longer.
0: Well, looking at the history of all of these ships, how long a history can it have? QE-2 is almost 40 years, wasn't it?
3: In terms of active service, yeah. probably an average of 40 years. That's getting a little bit long in the tooth, I think, right. historically speaking. Now, the uh, QM2 now is 11 years old. Yes, and uh, I think she's good for another three decades. She, really? Yeah, you know, I think unless you have to re-engine and start to re- re-system everything on board, it gets expensive. Then it becomes a bottom-line decision of management. Well,
0: it's also the fuel cost.
3: And fuel, yeah.
0: I mean, if you go back and take a look at some of the ocean liners that competed with the QE2 when there were other ocean liners, like the SS France, I mean, if you go in the engine room of that ship, it took 35 men to operate that engine room.
3: You don't need 35 men to operate this engine, right? No, sir. Two or three pushing buttons, that's all it takes. Uh, that's understating it a bit, but it is highly mechanized and computerized. It, when the QE2 was re-engined and uh, went to uh, diesel electric from steam, it was the biggest uh, conversion job in, in history. I think it cost more to re-engine her than it did to build her. But it was still an investment they wanted to make. Exactly. And good thing they did. It was a smart decision.
0: You know, we, 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 we looked at the airlines where they used to be flag carriers, you know, mm. a, a TWA and Pan Am. And, you know, and those, those days are gone. There's no really, I mean, you really can't name a lot of flag carriers today that haven't been privatized or have disappeared. What are the flag carriers in the cruise industry?
3: Well, you know, Canard Line has the deepest roots. It's the, the most historic, iconic ocean liner company in history. Look at all the competitors you mentioned or alluded to before that were out there on the ocean with her competing back in the days. Well, the Italians had ships, the French. French uh, Germans. The Germans. and uh, The, and the so, Swedish. That's right. And, uh, for, you know, it, you have to ask yourself, how come it's only the Canard Line that's left on the ocean, on the North Atlantic? Well, it, it's got the roots. It's got that 175 years of history. It had the, the people, the personnel. It had the talent. It had the drive. It had the tradition of safety and seamanship, first and foremost, that separated it from the, all the other companies. Never having lost a life at sea due to negligence in 175 years is, is really quite astounding. Say that once again. Never having lost a life at sea on board ships due to negligence in the operation of the vessels in 175 years of history. That's unmatched. It's, it, can't, <laughs> it can't ever be equal to yeah, it's unmatched, that's right. I
0: mean, almost everybody that you talk to who works on these ships started and worked their way all the way up. So by the time they were they were commanding, they knew every <laughs> inch in that ship.
3: Well, it's the old saying, Mark Twain, <clears throat> it was often said that uh, Kennard wouldn't take Noah himself unless he'd served his tenure before he got to that point of being appointed to a bridge officer role. And it's it's that's essentially what it's all about. It's all about people. And you have good quality people who run an operation. They bring good quality people in to run it with them. And the people who run the ships right down the line do the same. So the QM2 today is a reflection of of that investment in people capital.
5: You've been
1: listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world.
0: If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey.
3: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. <laughs> Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.
5: Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you